Can we pray together? Jesus, we just, we thank you for who you are. Um, Lord, we come into your presence now, and Lord, we've been in your presence, and it's really hard to leave your presence because you follow us wherever we go. But Lord, we appreciate that you're with us no matter what happens. But Father, we we do want to take time aside to focus on you. Lord, any relationship needs time spent together. And Lord, this morning, we appreciate the time just to be able to glorify and honor your name, lift you up on high in the place that you so rightfully deserve. But Lord, I pray that you would also gear and lean our hearts in towards your word. Father, let us be hungry to hear what you have to say, Jesus. And not just when we go into the scriptures here, but at home and whenever we have a chance. Father, give us a hunger for your word. Lord, it's our daily bread and we can't move forward if we don't get that sustenance. So Lord, we just we thank you for the importance. Lord, we also thank you for the importance of community. Lord, I thank you for every single person here and the different uniqueness that they bring to make this a community, Father God. And just, just the, the diversity, Father. Father, and just the different skill sets and passions, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would just give a fresh a sense of value in this place and how much we all contribute. In your mighty name, amen. So I, I am going to put the mandate on you to, to we, what did we talk about last week? Does anybody remember? I hope so. Talked about growth. And we talked about knowing your why. And knowing your why does two things. What, what are the, well, I'm sure knowing your why does a whole lot. The two things that we looked at that knowing your why does, the first is what? It brings... Passion. Passion. So I have an expectation that you've all gone home this week and you've discovered your why, and I'm going to see new passion bubbling in these seats. I'm going to just see passion overflowing. Can I encourage you that it's okay to be passionate in church? Bruce, I love Bruce. He says this all the time. He says, why in the world are we so passionate about the rugby and then when we come to church we lose that same passion? I want to offer that as a challenge to you this morning. That's not a cute little thing that I like that Bruce continues to say. That is, that's near and dear. And when we want to grow, passion, if one, of, if one of those things of growth is passion, then I hope that we can delve in and find some passion. I love watching out over worship when people start passionately pursuing in. But it's not just when the music team hits the right notes and just they, they build it just right. But it's we should come in with an expectation and a hunger and a passion to be thanking God for what he's doing in our lives or what he's about to do. We have to stir the passion that's in us. Amen? We have to stir the passion that's in us. It's no, and there's this, this, this idea that we have to stir ourselves up, stir the gift that's in you, but can I just encourage you to push, and can I encourage you that without the youth here, and, but we've got Anna, she's one of the youth leaders, Rebecca, she's one of the youth leaders, Courtney, she's just amazing. I, I can zero in right here if I need to, to, to get the passion, and I'll take as much of it as I can. But can I encourage you, it's not, it's not a young person's game, passion. It's somebody that's alive. And we're, we're going to delve into the idea of growth, but I just want to encourage you not to leave that go. And we're going to continue visiting that. Just picture, what does something that's alive look like, and what does something that's, that's not as alive look like? Energy, life, smiling, passion. I want to encourage you, you have permission in church to be happy. You have permission in church to press in to the things that he's done. And when I'm singing some of those songs, our God is mighty to save. I want to encourage you, don't just sing it. Or or do you need somebody to explain what has God saved you from? And hopefully that does start to stir up some of the passion in you that you need to give. And other people need your passion because they need to, to experience the life that Jesus has brought. Amen? Can I encourage you? If you can't express passion about Jesus in church, I imagine the passion that you express in the world is going to be dimmed down so much more. 
This is an open forum to be passionate about what God is doing in you, and we hope that it spills over into your everyday life. We continually talk about how do you influence the world around you. I want to encourage you, let's make this place a place that is so filled with life, that is so filled with expectation, that is so filled with faith, that we begin to let it bubble out when we go into our Monday. Amen? Are you encouraged? Are you challenged? I hope so. If we stay the same where we've always been, we're going to get what we've always got. I want to encourage you, push in. Let the life of Jesus out. We're going to talk about it in a little bit, but I just want to give you a preface. You know the song, This Little Light of Mine? I won't sing it. You don't want to hear me sing. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, no. That was a lackluster no. Hide it under a bushel. Oh, that's powerful. Wow. Easy, guys. We're getting a bit crazy in here. You know, settle down. I want to encourage you. What, what's the premise of that song saying? That we're often hiding our lights. Jesus himself says, and we're going to get to the scripture, and I'm going to repeat myself when we get there. He says, let your light shine before men. A city set on a hill, a lamp cannot be hidden. What's the inference there? That we're concealing our light. There's a difference. Jesus himself says the importance of letting your light shine. I don't know what that looks like to you, but I want to encourage you, find whatever that is. If that looks like being really polite and studious, maybe it does. But I want to encourage you, what is Jesus wanting you to stop concealing? What aspect of your light are you wanting to let shine? We're going to talk more about that. Passion brings growth. We talked about last week, knowing your why, knowing your why. Why, why do you want to grow? What things do you want to grow? And we talked about two things. That knowing your why connects to the passion. So it's not inauthentic passion. It's not just trying to be excited for no reason. But I'm passionate because I know what Jesus can do. I know the transformation that he can bring. And I will never stop being passionate because that's such a drive in me. I know what he's capable of. And I want to let that out. I want to let people know about that. I want, to, I want that to just be bubbling out of me in passion. And passion allows for growth. We talked about that in the life of David. And then we talked about the second thing. Do we remember what the second thing was? Clarity. Clarity of direction. Knowing your why gives clarity of direction. And so this morning what I wanted to talk about is, is maybe another phase of growth and growing. And I hope that this, this gives you some tools for, for this year and this season of your life and I'm going to be using continually looking at it through two lenses of growing. In your own personal life and how we as a church can grow. We're, we're a living organism, a part of the body of Christ. And so we're looking at it through these two things. How do you grow and how can we grow? So the next two things we're going to look at this morning. But it's under the heady, heading of strategy for growth. So last week we talked about knowing your why. And this, this week we're talking about strategy for growth. So what, what does strategy mean? Just plan. That's great. So last week, we, we haven't gotten to that. Last week, we were talking about what knowing, knowing your why gives the passion that you have. It gives clarity of direction, but we still maybe don't know how to get there, the specific plan of how to get there. And that's what I'd love to talk about this morning. Before I do, um, I, I so appreciate some of the updates that we're doing, and we're not finished, and it should look good when we're all done. Um, but I had a chance to come and help build some of this with far more experienced builders than me. And I'll be the first to admit that um, my skill sets are not there. And so I leave it to those that are far better than I. But I was, I was amazed and I had a revelation about building. And, and I'm not saying um, that they're not skilled because they're really, really skilled. 
But it is amazing what having the right tools can do. It is amazing. I, I was impressed even with what I could do with the right tools. In my mind, I was just picturing, you know, how do you produce this or, or this? Or, or when, when they build a house, and I just said, man, I, I can't do that. And I, I don't know where I was thinking if we're still in the dark ages and you have to do everything by hand. But some of the saws that Ernie and Christopher Dean brought, they had, you, you could shift it by 0.5 of a millimeter, and you could get the cut on an angle exactly, and you just had to move it a couple of, couple of you just move the saw just up here, and it just does it with a click of a button. It, it was actually fairly underwhelming for me. You know, I was, I was imagining, I don't know, if they just, you, you touch the, the, the wood, and you feel which way the grain's going, and then you, you hand, I was expecting some Jesus carpenter action happening, but... It, it, was, it was far more simpler than I could have imagined. And then the thing that I kept laughing at is that Chris just kept giving me different tools. There was literally a tool to do every single possible thing that you wanted to do. On one of these, it was too long. And so Chris, Chris gave me a little saw that we could do. And then I got a plane, and I was going over here. And, and there, was, there was a tool literally to do everything. And this morning, one of the things, and this, this might seem oversimple, but my revelation, Kathy and I were actually talking about how amazing it is what a tool can do and, and how, how the right tool can just be the, the make or break of what it is. This morning, it's, it's very simple, but I believe possibly one of the reasons why many of us have been stalled in our growth is that we haven't, we haven't gotten, we haven't obtained, we haven't followed through to get the right tools to grow. So we're talking about a plan this morning, and this, it, forgive me if it's oversimple, but I think so many people don't grow because they don't have the right tools. Now, I just, I think about all of the different areas where you could possibly want to grow or where you, you have a passion to grow. Some of it might be freedom in an area. It might be I've been stuck in this thing for a long time and I don't know how to get out of it. Some of it, it might be I just, I want to pour into my family better. I want to, at a higher rate, I want my family to be more expansive, to see more of the life of Jesus. For our church, a practical example, is we, we'd love more people to come into contact with the kingdom, and we would like to be a part of that. So when, when you're identifying what is it that you want to grow, and, and I'm betting that the majority of us in here could come up with amazing tools to help us do all of those things. I think about the addict. How many resources are there for addiction today? There's, there's a plethora, a huge amount of resources for addiction. But I would submit to you that in the age of the Internet, that anything that you'd want to grow in, there's resources out there. Maybe it's, um, we've got some, uh, Grant with his counseling. There's some people that might need counseling. Counseling would be something that we would encourage somebody to get. We've got people like Bruce Billington and Pete and Bruce and so many others that could provide mentoring. That might be the next step for you to grow. But I, I think all of us could probably identify the right tools quite easily. But I just, one of the things that I wanted to look at this morning is when we don't have the right tools, we often can't grow. And so when I'm looking at that, I'm going to go into this a little bit more. So there's two things. The first is this, is what thing or things or people do you physically need to grow? And my encouragement to you, as simple as this might be, is to identify those things. Last week, I got almost, almost across the board agreement that, that people want to grow this year. 
that they want to burst forth. Remember there was those wonderful adjectives that we found? Burst forth, come to be, spring out, reproduce, multiply, flourish. So, so now we're going the next step. We're talking about we want to grow this year, amen? So, so for you, have you identified your why? And that's really going to help us focus, and it's going to bring passion and the energy and the time and resources to be able to do it. Hopefully it brings clarity of direction so we know which way to go. Now we're looking at planning, strategy, how you're actually going to achieve it. Have you identified the tools that you need to grow? And I want to encourage you, don't let that be a nice thought. What is it that you need to grow? Stop and take time to figure out, I need this. I need a mentor in my life. I need to, to get this book online, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it might be. And the second thing is this, how and when are you going to get them? How and when are you going to get those things that you need to grow? Maybe this isn't as the exciting part about growth. How many of us have been stumped in growth? But there's, and one of the reasons why I love worship is we don't come just to sing some songs. I come to find freedom when I come to worship. When I start touching the heart of God, he starts to touch my heart back. And he starts to change things in me that I just can't do on my own. There's, the reason why I have passion as worship is because I just, I know there's this connection that's happening with God and something is changing. But I want to encourage you, how and when are you going to do those things that are going to help you grow? This is really, this is simple. But you know what? I've found that in our workplaces, we can be really efficient. And, and we get what we need to done, otherwise they're going to fire us. So we have a lot of motivation to get what we need to done. You know, I, I need to get my report in on time. But I think when it comes to the spiritual lives, it's so easy to leave it into this abstract concept. I want to grow, and, and I, I, I want to experience bursting forth. I want to experience multiplication. I want to experience reproduction. And yet we leave our ideas for growth to an abstract plan. It's, it's a really nice idea. It's a spiritual concept. We can't really quantify the spiritual, so I just really hope that Maybe someday this, whatever I'm going to need is just going to come right across my path and I'm going to be really nice to him. I'm going to nice him to death. You know, it's just Jesus inside me. But I want to talk about that. I believe God has given us strategy to move forward. We want to talk about taking growth from abstract to reality. I had some examples here. Um, Angie and I were talking about it last night, and one of, one of the areas that she would love to grow in is, is to become a better mom. I already think she's a phenomenal mom. And then I, we, we started delving into how are you going to become a better mom? And, and she, I've already told her I was going to share it, so it's okay. But she said, oh, you know, I just I want to make sure that I remind myself to, like, be more present. I said, oh, that's wonderful. And we stopped and we said, is that a strategy, a plan? Is, is that likely going to happen? Probably. She'll remember sometimes. But what, what I was struck with is it's still somewhat of an abstract thought, is it not? It's, I, I want to grow, but at the end of the day, will she know if she's grown or not? She might. She might just say, hey, I've purposed in my heart that I'm going to do this. And she feels, she feels more freedom when she's a mom. She just sees maybe some fruit. I'm not saying that it, it can't work. But I want to encourage you to take it to the next level. Define what steps do you need to take or, and, or what tools do you even need to add yourself to grow? I'm taking pressure off. Don't worry about growing yet. Just determine what tools do you need. Find out what tools does she need to... 
So we've taken this, con this abstract concept of being, I, I want to grow. What does that look like for you? What, what tools do you need? It's amazing what the right tools can do. And I think <laughs> if I would have tackled this project by myself, I would have probably been far more like Angie, like, I think I need some wood, you know, and it would have stayed in that abstract, uh, um, this category. I want to encourage you, what things do you need to grow? Identify them. Let me give some more examples. Growing our church, making a difference in the kingdom. The, ver the verse that I'm struck by is, how are people going to know if you don't tell them? How many of us are so excited about people coming into contact with the kingdom? I am. How many people have you invited to church this week? And I'm not saying coming to church is the only way that they're going to experience the kingdom, because it's absolutely not. God is everywhere, and he's going to do his thing. But you know what? We're here, and if there's a group of people that are kingdom-minded people, I would hope that this would be a place of transformation for people to encounter Jesus. So I would hope this would be one of the places. And if you're not inviting them here, where are you inviting them to? Please invite them somewhere. It's not a challenge of saying you only have to invite them here. I'm saying we can often say, I'm not inviting people to church because I'm just letting my life speak for Jesus. Is your life speaking for Jesus? Do you mention his name? Have you talked about what he's done in you? I love the verse that says, always have a reason for the hope that's in you. I think one of the most powerful evangelical tools that we can have is not to convince people they're wrong, but to explain the hope and the reason that we have in Jesus. So have you been sharing that hope with folks? That's what I want to encourage you. If you want growth in this place, are you walking out and sharing the hope that you have in Jesus with people and telling them that there's a community of believers that you're connected with here that all share as similar, if not more, powerful stories of the hope that you found in Jesus? I've taken, hopefully, an abstract concept of I wish we would grow to have you, do you have a plan of how, what you need to do to grow? What are the things that you're going to do I just want to encourage you there. Another example, we've already talked about it, but let's say addiction. If you're struggling with something, have you gone out and scheduled the appointment with the counselor? Have you gone out and researched what you need to do to block whatever is on the computer or to stop access to those people that continue to fill that? Have you got the right tools in place? And if you don't have the right tools, can I tell you, there's a, there's a room full of people here that are expansive thinkers, that have navigated life. I want to encourage you, reach out to determine what are the right tools that you need. What are the right tools that you need? There's, I love, you know, I mean, as depressing as the book can be in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. What you have gone through, somebody else has gone through. The answers inside of us, and one of the reasons we need to let our passion shine, Jesus, you set me free from this addiction, and somebody sees you shining. So the person that's still stuck in addiction sees this thing bubbling out of you that they know that they need, they know that they want. When we talk about concealing our light, and I keep jumping the gun and getting to where I shouldn't be, but it's so important. We keep concealing our light so no one knows the, the thing that Jesus has done inside of us. If we want to grow, we have to, to take this little light of mine. I'm going let to it, let it shine. I'm not going to hide it under a bushel anymore. But to be able to get there, identify what are the tools that you need to grow. Identify the tools that you need to grow. I hope this isn't oversimple. Quick story. I love in, from the Bible just to illustrate the point, and we'll continue moving on. Um, this is a really creative way that I think Paul found 
his agent of connecting for growth. It's Acts 17, 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. We talked about passion, right? I think so many of us are filled with passion and we become disenchanted because we don't have an outlet for our passion. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. One of the reasons I'm trying to overcome right now is for you to get a clear, set forth plan for what tools do you need to do to achieve what God has, has called you to do. It's really simple. But those, those tools are not enough. You need to action it. It's not just about finding that there's, and I'm sure Grant doesn't want, you know, a whole ton of more people, but it's not just finding the great counselor in Grant. It's actually scheduling the meeting. It's going to the meeting. If you want to become a better mom, it's actually going online and getting the books that you need and purchasing the books. It's then the next step of making the call to Carrie or to Anne and saying, I want to connect with you to hear what have you done. It's going the next step to action, getting those tools that you need. This seems oversimple, but it's so easy to get stunted at growth because we leave it to be abstract and we don't put those action points to what we need to do to grow. I want to encourage you in that. So Paul was not a man that had any part of lacking in action. So I just want to look and maybe learn from him. But his passion was bursting forth. His spirit was provoked within him. Verse 17 says this, So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and devout persons in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Paul had a passion. And then every single day, he was reasoning in the marketplace and in the synagogue with anyone that was there. One of the thoughts that I had is I think a lot of us are waiting to action our plan until it's absolutely perfect until we can see every aspect of how it's going to go, and we want to make sure that no one is going to be there to disrupt our plans. But do you know what Scripture goes on to say? It says, who is this man babbling, some of them said. I wonder if that's one of the reasons why we don't action our action plan. I wonder if that's some of the reasons that stops us from getting this clear, thought-out place of where are we going to go. There's barriers. We're waiting for something to be perfect. We're waiting for where are we going to go with the action plan. And so what I was thinking, it's encouraging the Angie to go and actually purchase the book. But Paul, he immediately goes, and everyone that happened to be there, and they were interested. And one of the things that I just wanted to encourage is the way that Paul went forth with it. And do we know the story when he goes to Athens and he goes into the, how do you say it, Bruce, Areopagus or... Yeah, that'll do. They invite him to come along, right? He's actioned every day, and they're saying, I'm interested in what you have to say. And they bring him to there. And what does he say? He says, he's, he's a clever man. He says, I saw you're interested in talking about new theories. I see that you like talking about new, new things. And I see you have a God that has an inscription with what? The unknown God. And what does he tell them? He says, I want to tell you who this God is. I know who he is. Can I encourage you to be creative? with how you plan to grow. I think, as, as Angie and I were sitting there last night, it was amazing the creative ideas that started to come when we started to apply the very thing that I'm talking about. I want to take you from wanting to be a, a better mom to getting an action plan that's so creative that's going to use the resources around you and bring up the passion in you to actually action the things that God's wanting to do in you. Paul's creativity is so important. Don't let lack of creativity stop you from growing. 
But again, now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. But others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysius and a woman named Damaris. I wanted to just read that passage out. Somebody that has a passion that actions it, that actions it and has an outlet of where to go. What does it end in? It ends in two people named Damaris and Dionysius coming into the kingdom and the knowledge of who Jesus is. I, I, there's a fire burning within me that we have to light a fire under ourselves to action what God is calling us to do. We can no longer be a silent church or a church that thinks in abstract. And I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the Western church, Big C. We have to be able to take what God is stirring in us, let it out with passion, but passion's not enough to sustain us. Our spirit can't just be provoked within us. We have to have an action plan, an outlet for where we're going to go. And one of the outlets that we continue to talk about is letting your light shine in wherever God has currently placed you, if it's in your workplace. We're so passionate about that. Get an action plan for how are you going to grow in your workplace. Get an action plan together for how are you actually going to change your family. It's not enough to say, I want to do more nice things with my kids. How and when? When are you going to do those things? And what specific things are you going to do? And even if that's too much for you, set a time in a month in your diary when you're going to sit down and do those things. Get started somewhere with more specificity than a nice general idea that God wants to do something amazing in your life. I think he does want to do amazing things in each and every one of our lives. But you know how it's going to come? It's going to come with strategy. And if we put legs to what we want to do. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We so often conceal our lights. For, and there's so many different reasons. It's not negative reasons. Maybe some of them are. Maybe some of them is fear of getting mocked like Paul did. He let his light shine with people mocking or with people not. But I just looked at people, Dionysius and Damaris, two names, two physical people. And who is, who is it in your life? Is it, is it some of your kids that have been far from the Lord? Are you just hoping that they come back? Or do you have a plan? Have you actioned something? That plan might be prayer. I'm not saying that it has to. What are you doing Not just well-wishing, God, please do something over there. Nope, every day I'm going to send you that annoying verse of the day that we could get from Lane Park Church. Every day I'm going to be praying for you between 11 and 12, and I want to let you know. Hey, as I was praying, do you know what God showed me? He showed me that one of the things that you were called to do is to, to minister peace to other people. You start to now sow seeds, and I want to encourage you. What is the plan that you have for engaging that which God wants you to engage? You want to grow, but how are you going to do that? What are the tools that you need? Sometimes it's too big to say, this is how I'm going to grow. I don't even want you to to go there right now. What are the tools that are going to help you to grow? Can I encourage you, identify them and action them. Let your light shine. One of the things I just want to encourage just for our church is using this as an example. How are we going to grow? I hope Go Church is one of those things that makes us visible, that starts connecting to people our spring celebration, our our trunk or treat, the Christmas things that we did. And we've got some more cool things planned this year. That's just one thing. Social media is another great way to to shine your light, let people see what's going on, sharing those things. That's been one of the ways that a lot of people have come here. 
personal invites. Can I just encourage you another time? Start inviting people again. Hey, if you find out that there's a series, and we're going to intentionally try and bring, have something that gives life to anybody that can come and apply the principles of Jesus, still unashamedly declaring his name. I want to encourage you, move to that next step. Start inviting people. If you find another church that you think would suit them better, invite them there. Start, how, how are they going to know if they haven't heard? I just want to encourage you in that. Okay, the second thing. And I think, um, I think there is probably not a more important thing than the thing that I'm going to share right now. There is not, I, and I believe, I believe a lot of people have been stunted in growth because of not actioning and getting the right tools. But the second thing I think is so important. What I want to talk about is culture. Culture. Can I give you a definition of culture by Samuel Chand? He says, culture is the atmosphere in which something functions. It is the prevalent attitude. It is the collage of spoken and unspoken messages. I'm just going to read it one more time. Culture is the atmosphere in which something functions. It is the prevalent attitude. It is the collage of spoken and unspoken messages. I just wanted to share a story. So, um, you know the show, Kids Say the Darndest Things? I don't know if you know it, but it's quite funny. Kids just say off-the-wall things. But Archer cracks us up with some of the things that he says. One of the things I was most impressed with recently is he told me, Dad, um, this needs more adhesion. I looked at him. I said, let me look that one up, you know, adhesion. And, and he went the next step. He said, yeah, let me give you some examples of adhesion. Uh, it's stickiness. It's things like glue, tape, and concrete. He honestly gave me that. This boy, is he just turned four years old. He's going to be an adhesion expert. They say funny things. One of the, but one of the things that I love that he says is he calls Angie, honey. He says, honey. And, he, and he'll say, if it's for short, he says, hon. He's, he's, he's constantly saying that. Um, it, it's funny in the grocery store because Angie gets side looks, you know. And, but he's always saying... And, and he's so sweet, and he doesn't even, he doesn't realize he's doing it, but he just, he just probably thinks that's one of her names, you know? We just, he, 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 he's so proud that he knows all of our names. He says, Angie Melissa Northway, Jesse Dale Northway, I'm not proud of my middle name. But he loves, and he, he's Archer Zadik Northway, his brother's Bennett Paulus Northway, but he also knows Angie as Honey. But one of the things that I was just thinking about that that stirred in me is evidence of hopefully a good culture. Culture reproduces itself. Culture reproduces itself. And this is, this is in growth for the church, that we want our culture to be something. What, what do we want to reproduce? That's the culture here. The culture is a lot more than just me preaching on Sunday morning or Bruce or the worship team. The culture is, is, is people taking notes, is people smiling. The culture is what color the, the lights are. We've, the culture is, what, what does that look like? The culture is, which way do we walk? And, and do we really like this? The culture is, yeah, we're nice, kind of, but then we actually have a lot of problems with this behind the scenes. Or wh- whatever it is, your culture is everything. It's the entire environment. And what I wanted you to examine, and, hey, let's examine it for the church, but for yourself personally. If you're wanting to grow, what environment have you created for that thing to grow in? What atmosphere is set, is that thing going to be allowed to grow with what you've set? If you want to have a better marriage, but your son maybe knows other bad words for, for, for my wife, or if, if your son only has harsh words to say and talks to her harshly, 
What does that look at for me? I love that he calls her honey, and I have a long way to go. But it shows that, that there's a culture in my house where we honor where we love, and I want that to be reproduced in my boys. One of, the things, one of the things that I would love to grow in is I would love to grow up these two boys to be absolutely, absolute animals in the kingdom. I want them to move and to shake things and to unleash what God has put inside of them because I know that God has created each and every one of us to do amazing things, not because necessarily we're amazing, but because we have a God that absolutely created the world. I get captured by the idea that a God that could make the most minute details creates us with such purpose. I think about the purpose that an eye has or that a toenail or a foot. If there's so much purpose in those things, imagine how much purpose, how much value is contained in each and every one of us. That is one of the things that stirs up in me. And so what I'm looking at is we can often be cut off before we get started because we don't have a culture that's going to support the thing that we want to grow in our lives. If you want to grow, shape the culture that it's growing in. If you're wanting to break free of something, have a culture that doesn't allow for that thing to be in your house. An example of the addiction, let's say you're trying to break free, I don't know if it's from drugs, but you have somebody living in your house that is a a drug user. What's the first thing that you want to do? Create a culture where drugs is no longer acceptable in your house. We have to go the next step to not just look at, I want to do this thing. But if we're living in an environment that is not going to produce that thing, if we want to grow as a church, we want to be a passionate, lively, growing group of people. If we stay contained and not letting our light shine and not letting people see the exuberance from what God has done in us, we are going to have a harder time to grow because culture reproduces itself. We will get more people that are contained and keep that light inside. I'm not saying that's where we are. I want to encourage us to break forth and to let our light shine with everything that we possibly can. Amen? I love Samuel Chan's definition of it. So let's just look at another quick story in the Bible and then we'll wrap up. Another huge season of growth in the Bible. Remember, we looked at David. And the reason we looked at him is because when David inherited the kingdom of Israel... That was a huge, significant time of growth in the Old Testament. And I don't know if you remember, but one of the other times that I identified that was just this this area of bursting forth and growth was the people of Israel when they took the promised land. That was just this area of significant growth. So I just wanted to look at at that time surrounding that time. So I'm in Numbers 13, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. Has God promised you something? He's promised me a lot of things, and some things I've seen come come to pass, some things I'm still hopefully waiting for. But these people had promised from God that this is what I'm giving to you. This this, This is already yours. And how many of you know that after coming out of uh, Egypt, they all had a passion for freedom? They all had a passion for flowing milk and honey. Who has a passion for a land flowing with milk and honey? I'm not a big fan of honey myself, but maybe I'd substitute it with something else. Either milk. I don't drink a lot of milk either. So soda and, and Coca-Cola. We'll do two. So I wanted to just go back to last week. They knew their why, Right? They wanted freedom. They wanted to experience growth. 
And I think so many people are in that place where they're wanting to experience growth. They're wanting to move into that place. And I would even go so far as to say that God has actually made a way for that to happen. He's given you that prophetic word. He's given you that sense when you're praying that God wants to give you this. Think about the church. What what has God prophesied so many times over the church and, and giving those good, bountiful things? But let's look at what happens. And we all know the story probably, but I'll just read it anyways because it's helpful for refreshing. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we come to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the giants there. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. I see something that growth is right in front of these people. I think it's so important where the scripture has time to change us is when we meditate on it. What does that mean? Just take time. Take time for it to seep into us. So when we're looking at a passage like this, don't just read it to find out what happens, but think that these people are on the precipice of coming out of years and years and years of slavery, stepping into the thing that God has promised them. We can't just read through this without connecting to the emotions and the place where they've been and and what they've gone through. You want growth. Amen? I, I want growth. What is it that you want growth for? Make sure you take time to identify, God, what do you want to change? Is it my kids that I want you to just, Lord, help them to be human again, right? Whatever it is, let that stir up in you. Identify what it is. Growth was right in front of them. The promised land was right there. God said, go get it. But one of the things that I see interesting is that we have two cultures at war here. God had already said, go take the land. They were right next to the land. They were positioned, and next week we're talking about being positioned for growth to finish off the series. They were right there. They had the means. They already had their tools. There's two cultures at war here. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land they had spied out. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord doing this? Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? One of of the hallmarks of this people was to complain. If you go through their story, they were upset that they had manna for too long, and then they didn't want the meat, and then they wanted water here and not over there. And It was this hallmark, this culture had followed them up to the place of their growth. And let's see what happens. One of the things that happens is that what does God say? He says, you are not going to inherit the land that I have for you. And, and there's, there's a whole thing happens, but I love this. And I just wanted to focus on this. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, because he has a different culture, he's followed me fully. He will inherit the land of growth. I want to bring it back to our personal cultures. To grow, we need a culture that will allow for growth. One of faith, passion, excitement, encouragement, positivity, and life. 
If you're trying to grow something, and I don't know if it's for your personal life, if it's steeped in negativity, if it's steeped in doubt, if it's steeped in infighting, if it's steeped in pride or selfishness, it will not allow for growth. You can have the best intentions of the world, but if you have a culture that says, we do, we do this, but then really, it's inauthentic, whatever it is, it's not going to grow. Go to the source of the environment. Look at the atmosphere that you're creating. Culture is everything. Culture is not, is not just a helpful thing to get to your vision. Culture is the implementation of your vision. This is what it feels like. I just think about family homes. If you want a better family home, you have to examine that culture of the family. What's going on there? If you want a better workplace... How can you, and one of the things I love um, that we, we did a leadership podcast, and one of the things that the speaker said was, how do, you, how do you make culture grow? Like, how do you get this environment thing, atmosphere thing to happen? There's not like these building blocks that you can do. It's, it's really simple. You have to be the culture. So when we're talking about culture, we're talking about what is the atmosphere that we want something to grow in. Think about a greenhouse, how they manufacture cultures to grow specific things. Growth has to have an environment that's going to be able to sustain it. And I want to encourage you that whatever you're wanting to grow, what are the right tools for it? But even more importantly, what environment does it need to grow? Do you hear those honeys from your kids to your wife, to your husband? I don't know, it'd be weird if you called your husband honey. No, Angie, you call me honey. One of the problems is Archer started calling me babe. We cut that one out pretty quick. That, that one stopped, right? He really did. And I, I was like, oh, uh, I don't know about that one. The desire was for growth from the people of Israel. But their culture prevented them from entering into what God had for them. I think that applies for us as a big C. I think that applies directly for you personally in your own lives. I believe God's heart is for you, and he wants to bless you, encourage you, grow you, multiply you, burst forth, reproduce. All of those things flourish. But the culture that you have in place, the prevalent attitudes that you've adopted, the atmosphere that you've created around you is the thing that will allow it to grow or not. Culture, for me, I believe is make or break. You can have all of the right tools in place. You can have a passion. You have, can have a clarity of direction like, like the people of Israel did. They had all of those things. And yet they had a culture that would not support that growth. The culture needs to reinforce your why. In fact, it is your why. I, I just wanted to give this. I thought it was such a great example of, of just culture, just to give you an example. So we, we, we now do our, our email through MailChimp. Has anybody used MailChimp before? It's a great emailing um, platform. And I, I was scheduling one of the verse of the days. And I scheduled, I scheduled it for a date a couple days ago. So I just, I, I clicked on the wrong date. And this is what it said. It didn't say error, wrong, big red, like, you, you moron, you, you, you clicked the wrong thing. That's not what it said. This is what it said. Please schedule your campaign for a time in the future because time travel is still hard. What a phenomenal example of culture. Not only did they not make me feel silly, I, got, I was like, that's pretty funny. I hope that we can develop a culture like that. That when somebody does something wrong, it's not this like, what in the world are you doing? I hope that when we see people exploring and trying new things, that we're saying, man, go get it. 
oh, time travel is still hard. <laughs> Maybe we can have still some direction in there. For your own personal culture, are you really hard on yourself? You're trying to grow, but every time you mess up, it's like I, I was somebody that was really hard on myself, and I found it really hard to grow when I had a personal culture of coming down on myself like a ton of bricks every time I didn't make it. What culture do you have in place that surrounds what you want to grow? Have life in your culture. Have generosity in your culture. I always, I always love, you know, um, oftentimes I think many of us want to grow and we need mentors. And I've probably been in this place before, but, you know, I, I had this desire to grow, but anytime somebody would like to give feedback in a mentor's role, my goodness, they're going to have to pull their weight in gold because I'm going to take them through the ringer, right? You can't tell me what to do. Do you have a culture that bites someone's, off, someone's head off every time they try and give feedback to you, and yet one of your goals is to grow? Identify the culture that's around you. Why is that growth? Why hasn't it happened? Just to conclude, get what you need to grow. grow. Don't let it be abstract. Find the tools that you need to do the job and then action them. Be creative in that. Develop whatever it is that you want to grow. Identify what culture do you have it growing in. And above all, I just want to encourage you, be bold in your pursuit of growth. We have to pursue what God has for us. If we don't, we're going to get what we've always gotten. The same people are going to continue getting the same things that they've always gotten. But I just want to come back to Dionysius and Damaris. Two names. I don't know what names you have in your head. Maybe it's Steve and Kelly. Maybe it's, it's Jesse and Angie. Whoever it is that is going to experience what God is wanting to do through you, please make growth not about you. I think it's too easy. I want to grow so that I become a better person. Well, you become a better person for the rest of us, actually. And if you keep that in mind, you keep that passion burning, you keep that identity. I want to grow because I want, when I think of growth for me a lot, I'm thinking Archer and Bennett. Because I know they're going to be the recipients of whatever God is doing in me. I want to let my light shine so that then their lights can shine. If we want to become an attractive place, we have to let our light shine. We have to be unashamedly bold about passionately pursuing what God has put inside of us to do and to be. Some of that is getting the right tools. A lot of it is letting our light shine. But as we're looking at growth in this season, can I encourage you to identify those tools and then to I passionately look at the culture that you've created. Let's pray.